Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Guardians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, as I always am here at Locked On Guardians, and I want to thank you for making this your first listen today and every day, free and available on every podcasting platform, app, service, wherever you get podcasts, you will find Locked On Guardians, and you find it for free. I want to take a quick moment here at the top. I have been pushing for the whole download daily, uh, leave a review, and everything else, and let's break the top 100 uh, MLB podcasts. We hit 57 this week, so <laughs> mission accomplished, team. Let's keep pushing. Let's break the top 50. Remember, our secondary goal is to crack the top 10 podcasts on network when it comes to baseball. So that's what we're aiming for now. Let's get into the top 50. Let's see if we can get closer to cracking that code for that. I do want to say, you know, I take a second and I say thank you to everyone who leaves a review. It's been a while since we had one. So thank you to KNAP22 who uh, gave me one star and said, pay attention. Wow, Austin Riley played better than Ramirez. Riley's an amazing defender. He had a couple games where he made several arrows errors i should say but the dude can ball you're incredibly wrong about your assessment of the mlb first team you're biased riley was the better period player then explain to me why riley had a negative war and uh had a lower uh, negative defensive war had a lower war and uh the the funny thing about this guy uh he also gave the lockdown braves podcast a negative review so (laughs) doesn't like them either they're they're biased in the wrong way if you do enjoy the show, uh, do me a favor. Go leave an iTunes review so we can bury this one. Uh, you know, I haven't looked at the Lockdown Indians in a while, or Lockdown Guardians, I should say. But let's bury the, uh, this one. It's, you know, hey, they say that uh, all the reviews help because it's just about bringing attention. So things like that uh, help out. We have 90 ratings and a 4.6 overall. But right now, one of the three reviews in here, and if someone were to go and look at the most recent one, is the one-star review. So if you've not left a review and you use iTunes, I can't review my own show because I don't use iTunes. I don't have any devices. Uh, Or I would. I'll be honest. I I 100% would. But if you're capable and you haven't left a review, go help out the show that way. Let's let's get rid of and make the most recent review not a one-star review by an angry Braves fan who doesn't understand baseball. Uh, Of our reviews, most are five-stars. Second most are four stars, and then uh, one star is our third most popular. I'm not saying you have to go and give me a five-star review. I'm not saying you have to go and give me a four- or three-star review. If you don't like it, go ahead. Go and leave me a bad review. It happens. Uh, You know, the other other time I talked about reviews uh, was when someone left one that was just personal attacks. I I enjoyed that personally, though I don't get it anywhere near as bad as someone like Stacy does um, or Gabrielle did before she left. I consider myself lucky in that regard. And by and large, for the most part, fan base is awesome. Uh, even like, so, you know, I kind of called out Hiram the other day. And then he's like, what was Hiram? Listening to you now, you're way off base, way off. Like, okay, he disagrees with me, but like, you know, I, he, he didn't, he wasn't a jerk. So I give him credit uh, for that. When I kind of look at that, I'm like, hey, um, you know, that uh, even when someone doesn't agree with me on this podcast, uh, that they're, it's like that. It's not someone, you know, uh, being not so nice. So, yeah, your homework, as it were, if you enjoy the show, is to go leave a review. Let, let's bury the, the recent bad one. Again, even a bad review helps. So uh, thank you to K Knapp for uh, his unenlightened and bad take. Uh, it, it just amused me. It's like... Sorry, Austin Riley. Even let, should we should we take a moment? I guess I should go to Baseball Savant and just back up my data here. Uh, but on today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about what's on the horizon, why we could have some 
some Indians news uh, for Thursday's show. We're also going to, you know, return to the why prospects failed, why our top prospects didn't go through. So, yeah, Austin Riley's outs above average, 10th percentile. So one of the bottom 10 third basemen. Now, the funny thing is they let off that episode talking about how good he was offensively this year, like surprisingly good to me. Uh, but, yeah, there's no comparison. Jose Ramirez is the top third baseman in baseball, and that is not up for debate. Uh, Riley is a top three guy this past year. I don't know if I'm going to leave him top. I wouldn't say top three overall because it's one good year. I need to see a little bit more before I dive in on anyone. But uh, the bigger thing is we jumped 39 spots to get up to 57th overall. So close to breaking the top 50. Let's get up there. Still top 10 in China, and we're also in the top 50 in Australia. We slid a little bit in Great Britain and Mexico. But hey, you can't be successful everywhere, right? Uh, but yeah, more than anything, I just want to thank the fans. You guys have been fantastic. And uh, I just want to keep thanking you for everything that you are doing by downloading daily, by rating and reviewing, uh, by all of that great stuff. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now let's talk about what's coming up on the horizon. So we might have some minor news. Uh, the and uh, pun intended, the minor league rule five draft is Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern time. I want to say, what does this mean? Well, it means that if a you know, it, should we get into the nitty gritty here? Let's let's pull up the exact way this works. So I believe it's basically the same rules in terms of player eligibility as the normal rule five. So if a player would be eligible in the normal rule five, uh, they could also be conceivably taken in this draft but uh, they get kept in the minor leagues instead of the major leagues this part like i was looking at the uh baseball there's not a lot of great depth on out there but i was looking at the baseball america article on this and uh you know they don't even say exactly what the qualifications are for this just that once a player is selected the team pays 2500 which is half of what you'd pay for an you know the mlb for part of the draft and the player is added to a selecting club's AAA roster, which, so if a team has 38 players already on the AAA roster, they're not allowed to add anyone. Now, a player doesn't have to stay there. For instance, last year, the Indians drafted Chris Roller from the Dodgers. He had been in the Dodgers system since 2017, which, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20, four years, and he had not gotten above A ball. So then uh, as a 30th round pick, he was drafted, yeah, in 2017. So he had had those enough years to uh to be drafted the indians put him in double a akron they did not put him in triple a he had 203 with a 281 on base 280 slugging a 561 ops uh he was a you know he was a depth guy uh and yes i know the joke there is he looked out of his depth it was a big struggle uh it was not ideal he didn't really do anything to show that uh he should stick or stay uh in terms of the offensive production it was a nightmare show for him uh but, you know, the Indians gambled, and they were gambling on, you know, they paid 24000 to get more depth. Uh, and that's what it was. It was just a gamble to add some depth to their minor league team at a level they felt like they needed. Uh, last year, there were 54 players. Five of them reached the big lead. Six played in AAA. Uh, 56 were drafted, so two ended up just being returned. Uh, and, you know, the, the top players ever recently, I should say, Justin Bohr, the first baseman, Omar Navarez, who's been a very productive catcher, Alejandro de Aza, who was a solid outfielder, and then Ryan Thompson were all uh, minor league Rule 5 picks who turned into big leaguers. So it, it can happen. It has not happened a ton of excitement or, you know, really interesting names. 
what Skylar Arias and Kyle Marmon, or who I saw uh, our friend Justin Lada tweeting out as potential guys who could be selected because they got weird deliveries. It is starter heavy. I think it was almost like 60% last year. Catchers, middle infielders, much like the Rule 5 itself. Those are the guys we see taken. Could the Indians lose someone? Yes. Could they select someone? Yes. We'll have to wait and see. I'm kind of hoping both happen. Uh, I mean, not that anyone really good gets taken, but maybe something, somebody a little bit interesting. You know, if it is someone like Kyle Marmon, uh, he is an interesting guy who just hasn't had a lot of opportunities. But uh, yeah, I mean, something to talk about as the host of this show, something current to talk about. We have plenty to talk about. Something current to talk about, I think, is always fun and fantastic. So yeah, keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, again, it's it's something we kind of roll over, uh, pun intended, with Chris Roller a year ago. Uh, my focus being completely on the two players the Indians lost and then the one player the Indians gained. By the way, best performance of all three of those guys last year, the one the Indians gained. Come back in part two of the show today, and we're going to start talking failed prospects. I haven't hit them up in a week, even though we have like the lockout. I've had plenty of content, so jump in and get ready to dive back and do why prospects failed. It's time to get your TV together, people. Does this sound familiar? You got one device that lets you catch the game live. Another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device is required. There are probably about a million you can get by now. And that is almost like literal. Though I know literally can now mean both, whatever. But there are so many devices. They're not hard to find. Content does vary by package. Bet Online has you covered all season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football season continues to march to the playoffs, come on, Brownies. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome, do- welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code locked on to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Failed prospects. I, uh, you know, I've been kind of teasing it, I guess one would say, in the parlance yesterday. Uh, it's been a while. You know, we discussed these. Uh, if you've been remembering, if you do not remember, I went through every single prospect in the last 20 years who had been rated in the top 100 prospects by Baseball America. It was a broad list with a lot of players. Some players failed due to injury. Some players just weren't that good. Other players were overrated due to their draft selection. Uh, Some players really operate on the margins, and as you get closer to the majors, those margins shrink, and they couldn't overcome it. Uh, We even had one where I don't know why they failed. Brian Barton, I've talked about him many times on the show. I don't understand how everything there went so sideways. Uh, I hope you found a good engineering job, though. Very smart dude. So let's, let's start with one of the... The worst first-round picks, honestly, of the Mark Shapiro era. And there are many to choose from. Uh, Bo Mills. He went to Fresno State for two years. And he was good. He was a productive player at Fresno State. Uh, Then he transferred to Lewis and Clark 
State College for his junior season. It's it's odd to see someone go to the JUCO after their first two years. And he played in that era where guys were hitting the ball hard. And the production, you can't fault the Indians. Like, he did not strike out much. Strikeout rates at Fresno under hair under 16 and then under 15. And that's as a freshman, as a sophomore. Those are really good numbers. He hit the ball. He hit the ball hard. He was an extra base machine. He did a lot of the little things. Uh, he was a third baseman, but everyone knew he wasn't going to stay there. The bloodlines with, you know, whose family members being the son of Brad Mills. Uh, there's a lot to like with a Bo Mills. Why this pick stands out is, you know, even coming up through the minors, uh, he was good but not great. And, like, he wasn't even, in spite of that high-level production, it's not like he was highly thought of. Uh, I mean, he was a first-round talent, but he ended up being, you know, after being drafted, he was essentially ranked 87th uh, in the top 100, and that's the only time he was ranked. Uh, he didn't have a great year. That year he was all right across three different levels. They were aggressive, getting him up to high A in that first season. Then he spends the entire next year in high A, and he performs. That's probably his best season. The 293 average, 373 on base, 506 slugging, uh, 21 home runs. That's really good. He gets up to Akron, and I mean, he kind of falls off a cliff. It, it's just not there. Now, he never struck out much, but he's not hitting for power. He's not hitting for authority. The home runs drop. The average drops. The on-base, he stops walking. Uh, repeats the level and somehow gets even worse. 2011, he repeats the level for a third time. He actually starts to perform well. He gets up to AAA and performs well. He might have had a chance starting in 2012 to get up to the big leagues, but then he just craters again. Uh, and he ends up... I believe being released, goes to Cincy and actually does not play poorly for them, but he goes back down to double A at that point in time. And for a first round pick as high as he was selected not to get to the big leagues, I mean, that's that's unusual. That class had 64 picks. This is back during the when compensation picks went wild. Uh, of those 64 picks in the first round, 42 have made it to the big league so far. And there's still always a chance some of these other guys will pop up. Unlikely, but it could happen. Uh, you know, two, <laughs> Matt Laporta, by the way, went seventh overall in this class. Nick Hagedone, we're going to talk about both these guys. Uh, where is he? Hagedone went 55th. But hey, both those guys at least made it to the big leagues. In the top, tw- in the top 15 picks, the only players who didn't, Casey Weathers, who did pitch in the Indians minor league system, went eight to the Rockies, and Bo Mills at 13. In the top 21 picks, you had Kevin Ahearns, who went to the Blue Jays. That's it. Everyone else leaves made to the big leagues. Bo Mills, one pick later, went Jason Hayward. That is who I wanted at the time. Hayward was viewed as a can't-miss top 10 prospect, and then he, he missed. He slid. Uh, and for all of his struggles, he still has the third-highest war in this class, a little bit better than Madison Bumgarner. Josh Donaldson's one, David Price two, then Hayward, Bumgardner, Frazier, Porcello, Weeters, Moustakis, and Tommy Hunter in this first round. Uh, it's just, I didn't like the pick of the time, and I was reading, this is one of those first, this was the first televised draft. I watched it. Uh, I feel like I maybe had to go to work or do something, but I had to, I didn't get to see the Bo Mills pick. I remember like being on a message board at the time of just random fans, uh, sports fix, you know. I remember you, uh, and uh, being like, who is this guy? And I've been reading all of Callis's stuff over at ESPN at the time. Like, I was like, wow, Matt Weider slid. Wow, Hayward slid, and the Indians didn't jump. 
uh, you know, just things like that. The, the, those were like the, the you know the names I knew, the players I was paying attention to. Uh, like I said, at the time, I was a hundred percent Jason Hayward. Uh, if it wasn't him, uh, you know, I, I probably would have been on like Andrew Brackman, who was like the giant guy, but he ended up getting a ton of money. Rick Porcello was also a huge name at the time. He got, I mean, those guys both got in terms of signing bonuses. Porcello and Brackman, let's see, Porcello got the fourth highest, Brackman the fifth highest uh, bonuses in this draft. It was a weird draft just from the fact that Daniel Moskis went fourth, and I mean, he still had a top 10 signing bonus as a reliever. Casey Weathers is a reliever. Um, you know, Ross Detweiler, old friend alert, also up here. Uh, it was a, a not great draft, but the bottom line is Bo Mills just wasn't good enough. Um, he had marginal skills. In terms of what he could do at the plate, he wasn't athletic enough, and I don't know if he was pressing or what the bigger issue was, but he just stopped walking as he moved up the ladder, and he needed that component to kind of drive up as the average dropped as he went up and the power dropped with it. Uh, it is the He was the last time that they spent a high pick in the first, second round on a guy who was a uh, not an up-the-middle talent. This was definitely a lesson learner for them. And why did Bo Mills fail? He he just wasn't good enough. It's a bottom line. It was an overdraft. It was not a great selection. It was back when they were going to take college or bust. And unfortunately, they busted. Let's talk about Matt Laporta, who was another first base only player who went even higher in that draft. Matt Laporta was a senior, by the way. Uh, he'd had a, a good junior year, but it had been a decline for him. As a sophomore, he had 26 home runs, 328 average, 438 on base, 698 slugging, 259, 410, 538. He flew. He dropped to the 14th round, where he's pretty much unsignable out of Florida as a senior. He still got a decent signing bonus, but he was a senior sign. Seventh overall pick, and he hit over 400 with a 582 on base and an 817 slugging with 20 home runs. I mean, he demolished college baseball in 2017. There's no way around it. I mean, a 1.399 OPS. Again, different era in terms of how well guys were hitting, but that's still unbelievable. When you look at his first year in the minors uh, in A-ball, it's a small sample size, but he is dominant. He goes up to double-A with Milwaukee. So remember, this is two years after being drafted. Double-A, he's got 20 home runs and 23 doubles, a 288 average, a 402 on base, and 84 games. That's really good. Uh, the arrows acquire him, of course, as the centerpiece of the CC Sabathia deal. And I always wonder, was, didn't he get like the nasty plunking in the eye, like playing in the Olympics that year? Like it felt like he was never quite the same guy after that. 2009 with the Clippers, I mean, he's still performing well. He's walking throughout this time. He's walking over 10% of the time. His strikeouts are under 20%. He had 17 home runs in 19, 93 games. He had 23 doubles, 299 average, 388 on base, 530 slugging. Uh, in his 52 games with the Indians, he had a 750 OPS. Next year, he gets 110 games as their primary first baseman, and he's still walking. The strikeout rate is still under 20%. He's just not making good contact. 221 average, he had 12 home runs and 15 uh, doubles. Next year, he again gets a chance with Cleveland, and you know he's actually got a 711 OPS. That's not awful, but 247 average, 299 uh on base percentage, his walk percentage drops. Strikeout percentage is now up over 20. Walk percentage is under 6. And, I mean, that was essentially his last extended look. 2012, you get 22 games. 
he would keep hitting in the minors, um, but he just could never translate. He was that quad A guy. What failed with him? You know, I'd be curious to go back and look at, you know, things like bat speed, stuff like that, because he, it's rare to see a guy dominate that high of a degree. Like, I mean, he never ran into trouble in the minors, uh, but he just couldn't seem to get over the hump. He is the consummate quad A type of guy. And unfortunately for the Indians, I mean, he looked like he should be a middle-of-the-order right-handed bat, right? Wasn't he supposed to be the answer of a right-handed bat that the Indians... When I came up writing, I mean, the right-handed bat, my goodness, that was that was the end-all, be-all. It was the greatest need ever. But for Laporta, I mean, he was supposed to be the answer, and it just didn't translate. He came... He, he could demolish AAA pitching. He moved very quickly through the minors... Uh, there's not a lot of things you look at like, okay, he didn't have a high strikeout rate. He walked, he hit for power. He did all of the things you're kind of looking for in terms of indicators. His bat hips for a slow guy were actually really good, which shows quality contact. Uh, I mean, across the minor leagues, he had a bat hip of 294. He walked 17% of the time, He or walked 10% of the time, struck out 17% of the time, had a career minor league line of 283, 372, 536. Almost all of that at double A or above. So some guys, it just seems to be that thin line. And for him, it was. It was The bat just was a hair too slow. And while it worked in the minors, he just could not get around on things in the big leagues. And he just couldn't hit well enough to unlock his power. And when you are a first base only, more, like, more likely a DH. He was a catcher in college at points. But essentially a DH masquerading as a first baseman. Uh, you got to hit and you know he is the quintessential quad a player of my lifetime so far so close but yet so far away we're going to come back in segment three uh we'll talk some nick hagedone since i already mentioned him and uh other names you might have you might remember i should say so can i be honest i believe i made nick hagedone at one point in time the number two prospect in the indian system back in like 2009 or 2010 or something like that he was a very interesting he University of Washington in the Pac-10 almost entirely as a reliever. He had seven starts over his career. Now I would have nowadays I would not be high on him. I just wouldn't be taking the thought of taking him with the 55th overall pick as a relief only guy throughout his career. Two starts that year who didn't miss bats. Like he didn't walk guys either, but he also just did not miss enough bats. 9.48 is fine. It's a good. It's great in the majors, but as a college arm with his stuff. That would have been the first uh, sign for me of like, uh, I don't know about this. Boston immediately converts him to a starter. He actually gets 10 starts that year, and the strikeout rate is great. The walk rate is great. Uh, it's in the it's in the New York Penn League, so he's facing a mix of high school and college guys. You don't can't take too much for that. Gets hurt, misses all of 2008. Tommy John, I believe. 2009 comes back and gets like 40-odd innings. That's also when the Indians acquire him. Not much you can garner from that. So 2010 is really your first chance is him being essentially a full-time starter. Uh, with Kinston, uh, the walk rates are atrocious, but the strikeout rate is there. Akron, the strikeout rate drops, atrocious walk rate. Uh, that can happen in coming back from surgery. It can even, yes, I know the issue happened in 2008. It can be that delayed. He only pitched about 80 innings that year. And this is the other issue, just minor things here and there keep his innings low. 2011, uh, the walk rates are starting to get back to a you know a decent amount, and he's he's missing bats enough. 
but he is entirely a reliever at that point. The Indians have given up on the idea of him as a starter. He gets the big leagues for 11 innings, not much there. I don't remember what year he breaks his hand, you know, the disaster that that was. Uh, but 2012, he gets another opportunity. And uh, is that, I'm trying to decide if that, no, that was not his longest look. 2013 was his longest look. He gets looks in 14 and 15. Uh, the problem is, like, every single time he comes out the shoot, it, the walk rate is just so high. Like, 2014, the walk rate was not bad in 23 innings. And it wasn't too bad in 2015. He was missing bats. Like, those two years are the years where there's some signs of life. It's a very limited inning count. Uh, ends up leaving. Uh, I think gets maybe waived. I can't remember how he ends up in Seattle in 2017. Doesn't even pitch in 2016. Might have been another injury issue in there. So, health is a big component with Hagendon. Uh He maybe potentially could have been a starter if he could have stayed healthy he missed a lot of time due to injury and I mean more than anything else I think health is what you're going to put it up to it's some boneheaded moments like when he punched the wall and broke his hand uh but he just as a player could not stay healthy I don't even think as a reliever mostly as a reliever throughout his career he ever broke he even broke 80 innings in a year outside of counting his college innings plus his 10 starts for Boston that year. That year he had 82 innings, but I don't think he broke 80 innings in any other year. I, I do not... Uh, okay, so 2010 he did get to 85. But that's what we're talking about. This is inability to stay healthy, and that's when he was a starter that year too. So there were some control issues. I also think, you know, he is a classic thrower, not so much of a pitcher, and that the stuff... That is an error where like, this guy's a lefty, you can throw 98. It's like, eh, guys are picking it up pretty easily. He always had pretty high home run rates, and that was an issue for him as well. Uh, so health is your big one, though. I think that's that's the what stands out. Uh, the Indians had ended up with three first-round picks from that class. Uh, one guy didn't make it to the other majors. What, to the other majors? What, what's the other majors? One guy didn't even make it to the majors. The other two ended up with negative war values for their career. You can't help but laugh because otherwise you're going to cry. Highly productive draft in general. Uh, a lot of players who came through and did things. Just none of them for the Cleveland Indians, unfortunately. <laughs> We're going to call it a show there. I, I recorded a bit on another picture, but we'll save that for tomorrow. I actually deleted it, so I'll just start over tomorrow with that. But we're going to end it here. We have many a prospect. We have the Brady Akins, the, the Kev, uh, not Kev, Jason Knapps, the Alex Whites, Clint Frazier's, Francisco Mejia's of the world. We're going to get into all of it on the show tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow's show is going to probably finish off these failed top 100 prospects. And why do I call them failed? Because they were top 100 prospects who never became regulars, consistent regulars across the board. Could it change for, for Frazier or Mejia? Absolutely. But where we stand now, it just hasn't happened. I want to thank you again for tuning in, leaving that review. Let's bury the bad one. Again, all reviews help. So even if you want to leave a bad review, go ahead and do it. I'll thank you for it. Uh, if you want to go out there, though, and defend Jose Ramirez's honor and leave a review, you, know, you could do that as well. Thank you again for listening. 57th. Way to go, team. Uh, remember to make us your first listen today and every day for you available on all podcasting platforms. Uh, go check out Sully. Great dude on the flagship and again, thank you for all you do. I love the fans. I love the listeners. I got a very sweet message today from Locked On Cavs uh, host Chris Manning that he was out for lunch with a friend. 
uh, of his, who was apparently a big listener of the show. So if uh, that is you when you are listening, thank you. Uh, it was a very sweet. I enjoyed getting that message today and my DMs. So if you are that listener, this is your shout out and thank you. Uh, that's all. As we now say to end every show, go, go, Guardians, go.